speaking on love, author Tim Keller says this. The biblical definition of love is not measured by what you receive, but it's measured by what you give. And so every time the Bible speaks of love, there is a giving nature to it. And what we're going to find out today in 1 John 4, 7 through 21 is that not only is God love and he gave his son to us to prove that, but equally in this passage, we're going to see that we ought to love people in the same way that God loves us. And I know that sounds elementary, that God is love and we ought to love people, but I'll be honest, I think one of the things that we probably need to work on the most as Christ followers isn't just loving other people, I think that's obvious, but it's just to receive the love of God found in Jesus Christ. If we can make that our identity, if we can make that our focus, if we can make that how we live out of that, then our whole lives would change. Our purpose changes, our value changes the way we see people changes, the way we see the world changes. So as we look at this passage today, I hope you walk away with two things. I am loved by God more than I ever imagined. And there is something at stake in the world and in our church if I don't show that same love to others. So I want you to turn to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. We're going to walk through the entire passage this morning. And before we do that, I want to just point out that the word love is mentioned 28 times in 14 verses. And you've heard me say it over and over again. If something's repeated in the Bible, God's trying to get our attention. Well, 28 times in 14 verses is a lot, lot, lot. And so the Lord is getting our attention that God is love and he wants us to love others. But how do we define love? We can say that we love our family, we can say we love sports, we can say we love steak, we can say we love uh, Christmas time, and we can use that word, and I think we all know what we mean by it, but we need a definition to go by, that we understand what does it actually mean in Scripture, how is God love, and how ought we love people in the right way. That word that you'll find in this passage over and over and over again is this Greek word that means agape. And if we had to translate that into a definition, it would simply be a sacrificial, selfless, generous, others-centered, without demanding or expecting repayment kind of love. That's what I want to be loved with. And not only do you and I want to be loved by God in this way, we want to be loved by other people in this way. And what we can't control is if those in our home or those in our workplaces, those we run into, love us this way. But what we can control and we must do something about is how we love other people. And so let's jump into this passage and see how we ought to do this. First of all, the source of love. You'll notice that we'll talk about love in different ways. They are so all start with S because that's just what pastors do. But the source of love, where do we get this love from? Well, here's how John begins this passage. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is Love. Now, you may think about this and say, well, I know people that wouldn't call themselves children of God or Christians, and they love people. And I would say, yes, you're right, we are made in the image of God, and so we're able to love people. 
but only to a certain extent. Remember, when he says we ought to love other people, he's talking about unconditional, selfless, sacrificial, instituting love and not wanting it back kind of love. You can love people in that way and not be a Christ follower, but you're going to see pretty quickly that your kind of love is probably more conditional. That you want people to love you first and then you'll offer love. Or you'll give to people what they deserve. But when we look at this passage, when it says we ought to love people like God loves us, he's talking about this selfless, unconditional love. And when we look inside, we don't find it in here, so we must go to a source And this source must be unending and it must be outside of us. Because if I look within, I can't conjure it up. And I need this source to continue to flow because I want to love people all the time in this way, the way God loves me. And that's why it says God is love. It is his character. It is who he is. It is how he acts. He cannot not love you. He can't. Because it's his character, it's in his nature, it's what flows out of him. His love is always being directed outwardly. It's directed towards you and I. He is the source of that love. And the way that we know that God loves us isn't by his words, though we see that in the word. He shows it by his actions, the same way you and I can do it. Because we tell people we love them all the time, but we don't always practice that. It's kind of like what my kids do. They always say to me, hey, I'm sorry. And I'm like, look, if you're not going to change your behavior, you're not really sorry. (laughs) If we tell our spouse or our kids or people that we love them, but we don't show it with any action, it's cheap. It's an imitation. We must love the way God loves us. If he's the source of that, we must also mimic that kind of love. Well, what does God do? How does he show love and how ought we do that? Well, we see in the next verses. This kind of love, we can put that on the screen, this kind of love is sacrificial. Can we put that on the screen, please? Thank you. I saw I had something on my thing too, so that was helpful. Thanks. The sacrifice of God's love. This is how we know. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. God showed us. There it is. He demonstrated it. By sending his one and only son into the world. So we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. I love this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's is love, and he doesn't just say it. He demonstrates it. He shows it by his sacrifice of his son. If you've gotten to know me at all, you know something about me that I am pretty cheap. I don't like to spend money a lot, and when I give gifts, I'm always looking for a discount. Always. In fact, my phone's down there. If you don't believe me, you can go into my apps and it'll say like the shopping app and there's Amazon and other things. And then you're going to see all of the discount apps like Brad's deals, crazy coupon lady, slick deals, all these things. I'm scrolling trying to find a deal. Now you can say you're being a good steward and I would say back to you, yes I am. But really, in my heart, it's because I am cheap. Because if I spend less money on you, that means more money for me. (laughs) So if you've ever received a gift just from me, I'm very sorry. If you've received a gift from Paula and me, it was a good gift. And it cost way more than I wanted her to spend. I'll just be honest. (laughs) 
I am cheap, but Paula has showed me that, look, if you love somebody, you demonstrate that by giving something more than you want to give. That's what love is. That's what giving is. I'm glad my wife showed me that, but who showed me more than that is Jesus. Because when Jesus came and he was sacrificed, it was a demonstration of God's love for us that he's not cheap. He doesn't cut corners. He's not in heaven saying, okay, I want to show love here. Let me get on an app and figure out how I can show it at the bare minimum. He gave it all up. The greatest thing that he could have done for us is doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. And he doesn't do it on the cheap. He does it by giving his son Jesus. He allows Jesus to die so that you and I can live. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. The birth of Jesus isn't just this cute story that we tell on Christmas. It's the beginning of a love story that God initiates love and he lets it go all the way through to the cross and to the resurrection. So you and I can have life for eternity. And God, he initiates this kind of love. You see, he created us, we messed it up. And so you would think, okay, if we mess it up, we have to pay for that. But it flips it. He doesn't expect us to pay for it. He actually pays for it himself. I love this quote here by Spurgeon. He puts it this way. If there was to be reconciliation between God and man, mankind, man ought to have, man ought to have sent to God. The offender ought to be the first to apply for forgiveness. The weaker should apply to the greater for help. The poor man should ask for him who distributes alms. But herein is love that God sent. He was first to send an embassy of peace. God is love. And if you want to know love at an extravagant cost, just look at the cross. If you ever question, does God love you, begin with the birth of Jesus and see what he did there and watch all the way through how he demonstrates love until the very end. It's sacrificial in nature. And if you and I ought to love people and we continue to do it on the cheap, we are not loving people unconditionally. We are doing so conditionally. We are doing so in a way that makes it about me and not about the person we're loving. So what do you think God is asking you to do sacrificially to show his love to others? Maybe for you, and this is hard if you're like me, maybe for you it's spending more on someone than you would have even spent on yourself. Maybe it's buying something or doing something for somebody that you're like, I wouldn't even do this for myself, to be honest. But it's above budget and I don't care because I want to show that with money. And some of you, you have the resources that if you did that, it wouldn't be a big deal, so I'm going to change it on you. For some of us, money, that's easy, but time, it's a whole other thing. I want to challenge you. I'll set the bar here, and then I'll set it here. Whether it's a morning or an afternoon or all day, I want you to clear your schedule. Some of you type A's are like, excuse me, what did you just say? I live by my schedule too. I want you to clear it. I want you to begin the day by saying, Lord, this day is yours. I want to show love to somebody. Put somebody in my path and let me sacrifice my own time to show people how much you love me so I can love them. Sacrifice is the definition of showing love. It's at a cost to us, but it's the benefit for somebody else. And when we do that, John says, it's a sign of God's love. He continues in 1 John 4, 11 through 12. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. If I were to ask you, tell me a sign that someone is spiritually mature, that someone has grown in their faith, and they're, of course, continuing to grow, but they're on the journey. They've been in it for a while. What would you say that, that sign would be? Now, some of you are like, spoiler alert, it is love. Yes, that is the answer. But how many of you, if we weren't talking about love, and I asked you that on the street or just in person, you would say love would be the first one. The sign of a mature believer. Most people would say my prayer life. Well, that is a sign. Being in the scriptures, that is a sign. Serving, that is a sign. Giving, that's a sign. Having a good moral compass, that's a good sign. Reaching out to your neighbors, evangelizing, that's a good sign. But the sign in scripture that says that we are mature and maturing is how we love people. That's the ultimate sign to the church and to the world that we belong to Jesus is our love for people. Our sacrificial love that we don't conjure up inside of us, we get from the source of love who is God. But that is the sign of God's love. And so if you were to go to the people that you love the most, let's just say, if you're married, maybe it's a spouse, your brothers or sisters, other family members, kids, grandkids, close coworkers, bosses, people that you go to school with, the people that really know you, would they have a better picture of God's love based upon your love or not? If people were doubting who God is, and they were loved by you, would it change the way they think about God? Or are they just walking away from you like they do everybody else because they don't tangibly experience that love? Let's start with our spouse. Would your spouse say, yeah, if God is love and I'm being loved by that person, I can sense that from that person, or would they not? We value marriage in our church, and we also know it's one of the hardest things to continue to keep healthy, and so we have a few things that we want to help with marriage. For instance, we have this event coming up here in uh, February 3rd. If we could put that on the screen, please. February 3rd from 6 to 9 here at the Sandusky campus. It's a fun mystery date because we just need to laugh together. So all this is in your welcome program, just a few ways that you can continue to show love in your marriage. I'm looking forward to this on March 10th through 11th. It's our marriage conference. We brought in the Smallies right before the whole world shut down in 2020. Best marriage speakers we've ever had. And they're coming to talk about how to rekindle, reawaken, refresh, revitalize, reconnect with your spouse. Because oftentimes, we don't show love to our spouse like we do other people. And so if you want to sign up for that, that's how you do it in your welcome program. But there's different ways for you to rekindle that love and show God's love to your spouse. What about your kids, your grandkids? The other day, I was calling somebody on the phone, and I went from dad to pastor. Here's how this goes. Hudson, not, he's in the backseat. We're driving to school. Knock it off. Don't say that. Hey, it's Pastor Eric. How are you? <laughs> Go from pastor then back to the son. And as I was preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you this, and it's, it's super embarrassing, but I don't care. I sometimes love you better than I love my kids. Sometimes the greatest gifts God gives us are the ones that we treat with the least amount of love. 
Isn't it funny that we go off to work and we give everybody our best and then we come into our home and our families get the worst? God wants us to love even the people that maybe don't always deserve it in our homes just as much as we would uh, someone that you don't really know. Would your coworkers say the same thing about you? Would people in your school say things about you? If, if love is a sign that God exists, would they say God exists based upon how you love others? And then during word commentary, he puts it this way. It says, the true measure of maturity is not the image of power or popularity or passionate feelings, but the abiding presence of God's love in our lives given out to others. That's how we know we're maturing. And this is how we know that when we read the Bible, it's actually doing something. When we come to church, it's actually doing something is the more we love. John, he goes on to the security of God's love. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God, he lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear that we will be separated from God in eternity because Jesus, he made sure that would never happen. We don't ever have to fear that for those in Christ. You don't have to fear the future. You don't have to fear people. Because God, he expels, he casts out all fear. And there is security in that. But if we are insecure in his love, it can wreak havoc in our lives. I mentioned before my son Hudson, he's in fourth grade, and I'm surprised that it's already starting now. But two things. One, he's starting to talk about girls a little bit more. I'm like, huh? He still thinks they're yucky, but not as yucky as before. And he also starts talking about how some of the kids in his class are starting to tease more and bully more. With boys, I don't know what it is with girls, um, yet, but with boys, it's all about sports. Who's good, who's not? And there's a kid who's been kind of picking on Hudson a little bit, and I listen to him, and I always tell him it's not true, and then I always end with this. Look, anyone who is bullying you or saying things that are mean to you, it's not about you, it's about them. Because there's something within them. They're insecure in who they are, and they want other people to feel the same way that they feel. And I just didn't read that on Google. It's in the memoir of my life. Because when I was in school, I made it my mission to make every person and every teacher and every administrator miserable because I was miserable. Because I was miserable. And it sounds funny, and it was funny because I was the funny guy, but I'm telling you, it wasn't fun being me. I was so insecure. And when you're not secure in yourself, all you do is make other people feel insecure about themselves too. If you are here today and you're insecure about your body image, you're insecure about your future, your job, your looks, whatever it is, I want you to know 
that there is a God who gave himself for you and that his love is to be the security in which you build everything else upon. Your value, your worth, and everything comes from that because everything else will make you insecure and you'll make others feel it too. But if you are secure in God's love, you will make other people feel the same way. And if you've ever been around somebody who is just secure in who they are because they're secure in God's love, you walk away not questioning if there's a God because you experience it when you're with them. Wouldn't it be so good to have people say that very thing about you? Perfect love, it casts out fear. It casts out insecurity. Insecurity, it makes you feel secure. And this is all great, but there's one thing that threatens it. And this is what John would say is the sabotage of God's love. He ends this passage like this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. If you say you love God and you gossip all the time and you judge people all the time and you treat people poorly all the time, John would say that your faith is a sham. Jesus says to love God and to love people are equal. There's not one A or one B or one and two. It's equal. If you love God, you will love people. And if you love people, you will love God. But you can't have one without the other. And John would say your faith is a sham. So if you can't stop gossiping about people and tearing people down and yet you're praising God, you should look at your faith a little closer. It's so interesting. Jesus, he's about to leave this world in John 13. He's taught and taught and taught and taught. The disciples know everything. And then he ends with this. In John 13, he says, I have one more new command for you. And they're like, yes, another new one. New, unusual, something we've never heard of. And Jesus says, love one another. And they're like, are you serious? Love one another again? We already knew that. Jesus says, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another for your love for one another will show the world that you are my disciples. You want people to know who God is? Love them well. You want people on the outside to question God? Sabotage his love by your words and your actions. You can take someone this way or this way. If God is love, he is the source by which we sacrifice ourselves for somebody else. It is a sign of his love. And we can find security in that. And let's not be saboteurs who show people and say we love God and we don't show it with our actions. Let's show it with our actions too. How do we do that? Well, let me end by reading you a couple verses. In Scripture, the phrase one another is found over a hundred times in the New Testament alone. Fifty-nine of those examples are what Jesus uses to describe faith expressing itself in love. And as we close, I want to show you how we ought to love people inside and outside the walls of this church the way Jesus loves us. So pray with me and meditate on these verses. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God.
Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday.